0: This is Around the Farm, and I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and that's Chaffer like the back end of a combine, and we're going to be talking about all things ag. Today, we'll learn how your retailer can help you throughout the growing season by using the right products in the right place at the right time, from spraying, scouting, to applying fertilizer. My guest today is Kayla Bennett from AgView FS in Princeton, Illinois. Kayla, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Clint, for having me. Appreciate it a lot.
0: Yeah, how about you introduce yourself to uh, to the listeners here?
1: Yeah, so I grew up on a small farm in Neponset, Illinois, about a town of about 400 people. We currently are a corn and soybean operation with three generations working on the farm. Along with helping on the family farm, I also raised some livestock. And that is the reason my grandpa and my father are the reasons why I am in agriculture today and truly have inspired me to pursue a career in agriculture as I've watched them work while growing up and being able to help them when I, when I do have time from my busy lifestyle. Um, so aside the time that I work at Bennett Farms, I'm also a climate, sales, and seed support specialist with AgView FS in Princeton, Illinois.
0: Now, you talked about raising livestock. Uh, what kind of livestock do you raise? And it uh, sounds like you quite a quite a few.
1: Yeah, so I have about 47 sheep.
0: Wow. Wow, that that will keep somebody busy there
1: Yes, yes, definitely Definitely uh, no time for anything else
0: Did you show them at all or?
1: Nope, no showing um, Basically just raise them I raise Katahdin hair sheep for meat breed
0: Oh, nice, nice Sell them locally then?
1: Yes, I do And I also take them out to different sale barns too Oh,
0: nice, mm-hmm. nice well hey, let's uh, let's jump into, you know, just kinda looking at this year with the planting season the way that it is, uh and just some of the some of the challenges that you've, you know, just heard from your farmers, especially, you know, maybe maybe as they're hopefully wrapping up planting at this point in time. Uh what have you what have you been hearing around the countryside?
1: So it's definitely been a very difficult time year trying to get things done in such a short amount of time, it seems like once we get in the groove of things, it just starts raining again and then we're out for a few days. We haven't really been able to get too much checked off the list. Plans are always changing every day for us, you never know, and it seems like it's a reoccurring thing and it doesn't look like it's going to get much better or any different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've been uh, fighting a lot of those same struggles on, uh, on our operation as well. Um, I mean, have you seen, you know, some of your farmers switching crops at this point in time for how late it is?
1: Crops, I have not seen any switching crops right now, but they are switching hybrid maturities. So they're taking that higher maturity, um, that later season corn and changing it out for earlier season corn, probably up to about 100 day to 108 day.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I would imagine, you know, along with the difficulties of the the, the farmers are are experience and I would imagine it's got to be fairly difficult for for a retailer like like AgView.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of changing and trying to do different crop protections. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole bucket full of just different things.
0: Well, I know we were talking before the podcast, you know, of uh, uh, what we've been struggling with on our operation of trying to figure out how we're going to change our fertilizer, right? Of, uh, not being able to get it on at, uh, at the time of, uh, planting. And here we are with still not a lot of fertilizer, uh, on the crop that's right, out there.
1: Right. Yep.
0: Have you, have you had to, you know, switch some of those things, whether it's a, a chemical plant or a fertilizer plant around for some of these farmers?
1: Yes, we have had to switch some of the chemical and fertilizer plans. some Some farmers aren't putting down any fertilizer. We're just the time of the year and trying to get out in those fields and basically just get the crop in the ground. And when it comes to the crop protection side of things, you're running into date deadlines um, for spraying. You're running into basically quite a few things once it comes down to it. and and with the way that the weeds are and how tall they are right now, it's it's pretty difficult.
0: Well, I know the other thing is is uh, trying to uh, not plant equipment at this point in time as well. I've been uh, tracking that on Twitter, and it seems like uh, there's there's quite a few that uh, have been buried at this point in time.
1: Yes. So on most of our parts, um, we have had a couple issues where most of the field is dry, and you you drive out there and you think that it's okay, and basically you just find a sinkhole, and the first thing you do is the first thing an operator does is when they see that wet hole, they slow down. That's their first instinct. When really you should just keep maintain your speed, keep going through through that wet hole. And then with the way the year is going, um, we have to take ad- advantage of every dry day that we get. Um, our crossbushers are working hard, driving out in those fields to, to check those wet holes to make sure that we don't end up with a sprayer stuck or, or something happening like that.
0: Yeah, and you know, you talk about those dry days, and uh, I, I'm 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 surprised you're not throwing something at me right now for you know dragging you down to St. Louis on one of the the few dry days that we've had here in June so far.
1: Right, right. My phone's been pretty busy on the way down here today. So
0: <laughs> well, I would imagine. Well, we greatly appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, so. Not a
1: problem. Appreciate it.
0: Well, hey, let's let's kind of look over at uh, at the technology side and and really, you know, kind of your focus. I know that you focus a lot on on digital farming and uh, and on the seed side. From your perspective, how have you seen farmers react to the use of digital tools? You know, let's say when you first started a few years ago to today.
1: Yeah, so it's completely different from the first time I started to now. I've been working in this position for about two years now Um, when I first started out I had a lot of no's a lot of no why do I need this am I I'm already using a different program or database what do I need what do I need this for etc things like that to now where I've turned all those no's into value for the farmer by showing them what the technology can actually do on your farm and what is capable of showing you too
0: well, I know you've done a fantastic job of that because uh, I know you're at the, uh, you've been at the top of the leaderboard of uh, of of FieldView sales. So uh, I, I know that uh, I know you've had a lot of success out in the field there.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: You know, from from really when you start looking at some of the most progressive farmers to some of the least progressive farmers that you work with, what do you see as is, is really the biggest difference? You know, between two farmers that are kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum for technology.
1: So I have the biggest difference between um, the two is where I have guys tracking every pass, every application that they do throughout their field, their tillage equipment, you know, anything that they can possibly keep track of for, for you know, down the road when it comes to different recommendations and what they're doing in the fields. Um, to a guy where all he wants to do is just map his first fields that he's ever mapped on his farm with a, with an equipment as old as a 1486 case tractor.
0: When you talk to some of those farmers with some of the older pieces of equipment like that, some of those older tractors, uh, what's their first reaction when you come to them and say, hey, we can put some technology on there that allows you to, to map these fields?
1: Yeah. So some guys kind of look away from it and say, you know, it's not, it's not going to work on this equipment. This equipment's too old. But as soon as I show them what it can kind of do and then go into what it would take to be able to do this, all of a sudden it's like there's a light. That pops in their head, and they think it's the coolest um, database ever to be able to run that on that older equipment.
0: That is really neat. I, I remember, uh, I think one of our one of our uh, CBMs uh, ended up taking a picture of our Drive Map anything on like a horse and, and plow using a using a motorcycle battery. Yep. So there's been uh, <laughs> been some funny pictures yeah. taken like that. Yep. Well, what do you see, you know, within within the digital farming industry uh, today from your perspective, uh, what do you see are some of the largest gaps that we still have that the we need to work at closing?
1: Yeah, so I believe that there, you know, there's still some compatibility differences between different companies um, and being compatible with all the equipment that that is out there. For those farmers who have been farming for 30 plus years that with running the old equipment that don't have the capability of running any maps or running any yield maps, I think it's a good good idea to make sure that you know you're trying to get compatible with all the equipment that is out there. Kind of just like the Map Anything kit that we have now available.
0: I know we have an internal team at uh, FieldView that uh, works pretty tirelessly trying to expand that compatibility yes, list.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: You know, and they've uh, done
1: they've done a great job doing that too, which I love that.
0: That is that is fantastic to hear. So I know uh, that they, they will appreciate hearing that. So, you know, when you're when you're thinking about compatibility, how have farmers reacted? You know, when they when they need to put different cables in, or they have to put you know different pieces of equipment, are they usually pretty open to to putting that into the cab?
1: So most of mine, yes, they are actually pretty open. I've run into a few where they don't they don't want the extra harnessing or running the iPad. Um, because they're already running different monitors. So basically, they'll just tell me, they'll keep running the monitor in there, the same monitor, and then I just pull the information off of there.
0: Gotcha. How about, uh, you know, are you starting to see a trend of farmers asking for data collected from, let's say, your sprayers that are out there running in the field?
1: So I have a few iPads that are out there running in sprayers now, just to to beta test them, to see what data we are collecting, how it's going to be sent to the farmer. And basically, there's a few customers that I am working with that I'm waiting to see kind of their feedback on stuff and see how they like it and what they actually want to use that information for.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, we talked about you know what are some of the gaps. Uh, what do you what do you see are the are some of the biggest opportunities for digital ag? Uh, maybe solutions uh, that, that haven't been uh, haven't been created yet, or or things that you're starting to see farmers starting to ask about.
1: Yeah. So one of the things I have been doing this year is getting a lot more advanced seed scripts out there and getting farmers running different, different population rates, trying it out and basically just to get some feedback. And I know one thing that they, I've had quite a few that really want is to be able to put more than just one hybrid in with the planting prescriptions in which I'm sure that there's quite a few out there that do think about that. But that's a lot. I mean, I get, it, I get it all across the board. I have great, I have great customers that give me a lot of feedback they really come to me and say, hey, I, I want this to be changed, or you think you could get this to be changed? And I take it right back to my CBM and hope that he passes it along to the customer success team or back to the climate office.
0: Nice. Uh, how's, your, how's your experience been uh, working with uh, climate support?
1: Really good, actually. I have, there's one person there who actually supports me, um, answers his phone all the time and is a great, great, I mean, anytime I can call him at eight o'clock at night and he'll still answer his phone <laughs> even when I'm out in the field with the customer.
0: Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. You know when you when you have those uh, have those enhancement requests. You know, you kind of talked about that. You know, passing it through. Um, have you seen any uh, any of those requests uh, actually come to fruition uh, within the uh, within the software?
1: I have saw a few um, when they brought out for sprayer types. I do have a few guys that do run the iPad in their in their sprayer in their tractor sprayer. That wanted to track wind speed when we were able to spray, um, you know, the, the, those Dicamba products and keeping track of wind speed and all that that you can put in there. So that's a really good overview. And another thing is being able to view in the cab app all of your fields and basically viewing the yield analysis portion in the cab app.
0: Nice, nice. So it sounds like some of those enhancements and, and, you know, some of those uh, uh, requests have started to, started to trickle into the, into the software. Right?
1: Yes, yes, definitely.
0: That's great to hear. Last episode, uh, we ended up speaking to a drone expert, and just kind of talked about how that technology is starting to get even uh, even more immersed within the in the digital ag space. Have have your farmers started you know flying drones or starting to request drone flights?
1: So in our area, it's not really as widespread. We do have some drones, but not necessarily that is used for imagery purposes. Mainly, we use our drones you know a few times a year to check on fields and area in a field with a grower or just, you know, the crop specialist is out there by ourselves. And basically we're just checking, you know, for looking at wind damage after a storm to kind of get a get a hold on what all the damage was um, or something, you know, along those lines of, of using those drones for. And we're starting to use them more each year to kind of get into the grower face and, and going out there with a the grower and basically just flying their field and talking about what we see out there, what damage, if there is any, maybe some areas that we need to go check and, and walk out there, you know, when that corn gets above head height, you can't really see to get a grip on too much damage that is out there, you know, if there is any um, and, and things like that
0: you know that's a that's a it's a great segue into uh into some of the uh the, the next category because I was wanting to talk to you about uh about scouting and uh you know you talk about uh Going into head height corn, and I don't think anybody really likes to walk into corn that's over your head, you know, especially when yeah. it's like ninety five <laughs> degrees. <so>. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, we were discussing, uh, Kayla, before the show, you know, how extensive AgView's scouting plan is, uh, and all the different types of uh, types of solutions that you use. Could you kind of take us through what uh, what your scouting kind of looks like throughout the entire growing season?
1: Yeah. So, I was actually a scout for AgVFS back way long time ago. (laughs) So (laughs) I've scouted for a couple years before um, over the summer. And basically a typical week for a scout looks like, you know, you start off with Monday morning training. You go over what you might be seeing out there for this upcoming week, what weeds are new, what, what bugs you might be seeing out there. And then in each field, they basically do population counts, weed identification, and disease diagnosis. So they're out there looking for you know, for anything that's unusual or out of the ordinary in those fields. We use a couple different scouting apps we keep track of that generate reports for those farmers. And those reports get sent to the farmers and the crop specialists. So any issues that are in the field that we get back from those reports, we can communicate with those crop specialists and the crop specialists can communicate with the growers to find the best solution that they need to take action um, with those issues or problems in the field.
0: So really, I mean you' you're using that that report to, to kind of create a, a recommendation on whether whether to, to, to spray an insecticide or a, or a fungicide or something of that nature.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. yep. so if something if something's going on in that field, we're, we're getting to the craft specialist right away to to let them know kind of what's going on.
0: And and what do you see, you know, when you're when you're sharing back with the farmers, uh, you talked about sharing the report. Is there any request of hey, I want this, you know, in in my field view app or uh, you know, tied to a pin or anything of that nature? Uh, are you starting to see any of that uh, that request?
1: There are a few. Um not as much right now because of what they're getting when it comes to our our scouting packages and those reports are included in there too. I personally go out and and walk some of the farmer's fields just to use our scouting pins and, and just take note on kind of what's going on out there. So then it shoots straight to their climate field view account and they're able to pull it up right then and there and see.
0: Yeah. We've had a lot of, a lot of feedback on that, that uh, kind of proof you were out there, right. Uh, Of being able to see that on their phone or on their iPad.
1: Yep. You know exactly where you're at, what time, the date, and everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, when we start thinking about about this this weekly plan of the of the scouts, you know from a field perspective, how many times a year are you are you going out and and scouting you know one particular field
1: so usually it depends on our scouting packages we offer two so one of our scouting packages is once a week so you go out there to that field once a week, you generate a report and then you come back again the next week. Or we have our, our other scouting program where you're out there basically every two weeks scouting that field. So it just depends on once you get to black layer, usually, you know, or once the milking stage is done, we're done scouting, scouting that field, basically. So it really just depends on, on um, once we get started. And a year like this year, you know, once the corn gets in the ground, and you know Mother Nature lets us in back in the fields, um, it kind of just depends how many how many times we're able to get to that field.
0: So I mean, that sounds like a I mean, that's a that's a that's a pretty extensive scouting package, then, especially on a weekly basis.
1: Yes. Yep. Um our scouts usually do about 3 to 4000 acres each week. You know, they're checking they're checking each field for all those insect issues, weed issues, um anything they can find out there to take back to the grower.
0: And do you ever get calls from farmers, you know, uh, maybe requesting that somebody goes, takes a look at a, at a specific field. Maybe it's after, uh, after a storm comes through or maybe they're hearing neighbors talking about, uh, about diseases or bugs that are coming in.
1: Yes, we do. Um, you know, and it's, it's not just, you know, our scouts that are getting asked to, as a crop specialist too, getting calls to go check their fields. And that's just another way to use those scouting pins that Field FieldView does offer to take a picture and then that grower can actually see See that area in the field?
0: Well as as we mentioned before, you know, once you end up uh getting that scouting report, you can go out and you can start making, you know, recommendations. I'm sure the crop specialist and the farmer are are there trying to uh to work that plan out. Uh and I also know that you know, fertilizers is is kind of a main topic, especially when we start into uh, late season uh, applications. Have you started seeing farmers kind of start working towards late season applications of nitrogen versus you know anhydrous or or you know it, it, you know whether it's fall or spring?
1: So yes, I have seen um, a few people who are pulling back their nitrogen that they do in the spring because they're just not able to get out there and they just want to get out there and basically just get the crop in the ground. So there are some switches right now, but as of right now, it's, it's hard to tell kind of what's going on. Um, you know, once those crops do get put in the ground.
0: Yeah, and that's where I think this year, you know, going back into the, the scouting piece, I think uh, being able to keep track of those fields and, and kind of keep track of the, the health of that uh, health of those plants out there, I think are, is is going to be very important. Do you use any of the any of the satellite imagery uh, within FieldView to to you know whether pinpoint out any locations or keep track of anything?
1: So, yes, we do use some of the imagery to go through um, kind of what's out there and just to get an idea of where we need to go in that field. And, you know, once we get into that field and we do see it, that's when we drop a pin. We take a picture of it. We're able to show the grower, you know, if it's, if it's a scout, showing the crop specialist before, before they take to the grower and see what they can't, what they can't do.
0: What, what, have you, what have you seen, you know, from, from utilizing satellite imagery, H- have you seen an uptick in, in fungicide applications or, or back to the, the late season nitrogen uh, based on maybe what you're seeing within an imagery?
1: Yes, I have seen a few um, actually last year with the fungicide where those images are actually showing up greener on the vegetation maps and more or less the scouting maps also. So that gives us a pretty good idea, you know, if it is working, if it's out there, obviously we wait until harvest to get that data back to see, but I do see a little bit of difference on those field health
0: images. Now, when you start talking about you know waiting to harvest to 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 see the results, right? That's uh, that's that seems like the the game that we play within agriculture, right? We have to uh, try a lot of things and and ultimately check them uh, in the fall. Uh, wh- what do you see, you know, for for field region reports or things of that nature? Are are, are guys jumping into the the program and and really starting to uh, to to do some of their own analyzing?
1: Yes, that is actually one of the most used features of FieldView that that guys use or a lot of my customers use is the yield analysis and being able to compare, you know, the different fungicides, the different hybrids, circling those regions that, you know, you might see a wetter area or a red area on that map and circling them and seeing really how that did, how many acres was in that and just seeing breaking it down by the soil type even too.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've really started to hear a lot more about that of uh, of farmers really wanting to dig in and see if all of that uh, that investment worked. Well, Kayla, we've talked about you know technology, we've talked about scouting, we've talked about applications, you know, really throughout the growing season. And you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking and it, uh, of how much a, a retailer is truly involved in a farmer's operation.
1: Yeah, we are we are involved in in so many different ways. It's it's crazy. You know, we are helping them through climate, our scouting programs, and basically just ultimately being out there with a farmer, walking them through stuff and being out there in the field and learning and learning with the farmer.
0: But even even outside of the growing season, you know, what are some of the other areas that you're really helping a farmer, you know, through the operation?
1: So, yeah, an area outside of what, of you know, what we talked about, we are putting a lot of it into risk management tools, such as we offer ag finance, deferred payment options, contracting, all in an effort to doing business with us, you know, as simple and as flexible for that grower, you know, especially with a year like this is going
0: yeah, uh, this, <laughs> a lot of those features that, uh, or a lot of those areas that you just touched on are going to be uh, very important yes, throughout this entire very, year. Very, very
1: important. Yes.
0: Well, Kayla, that uh, that really wraps up. You know what uh, what I was wanting to uh, to talk to you about. Again, I appreciate you uh, you know coming in here and and having a conversation with me, especially during this uh, this busy time of the year.
1: Yeah, not a problem. I appreciate it.
0: Well, as uh, as always, uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And remember, around the farm is brought to you by Climate Field View. Don't miss any episodes. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast at. Or find Find episodes on climate.com. Also, I wanna hear from you. So be sure to send in your thoughts or your questions by going to Twitter and using the FieldView Twitter handle at FieldView, and then use the hashtag, hashtag Clint, so I can find your tweets. I'd love to answer your questions in upcoming episodes, or even put together an episode that we're just answering questions. That, that may be an interesting one. And speaking of feedback, we'd love it if you'd take a minute, give us a five-star rating and give us a review. And as always, we'll see you around the farm.